virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply translates God with us. And the beauty of Christmas, the beauty of the Christmas story is that God has come to dwell with mankind, that God has stepped out of heaven, stepped out of the glory and the splendor of heaven, and has come to our sinful, fallen world. And so that begs the question, why in the world would holy God ever come and actually dwell among men? The text I want us to look at very briefly this evening answers that question. And so if you have a Bible, uh, you can look on the screens with us. But in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, we see a wonderful uh, story. We see a wonderful picture of, of these angels coming and visiting some shepherds out on the countryside and announcing to them that Jesus has been born. And so read with me beginning in verse 8. Luke says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for, I behold, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you this evening for the wonderful actions that took place out there on the countryside of Bethlehem. We thank you for sending the angel and proclaiming the gospel to these men. Lord, we thank you that they were able to go into Bethlehem and find everything just as they had been told. And Lord, we thank you that we, what we see in these shepherds is a faith that is put into action. They put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed on the Savior. And Lord, we thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you for what it means. It's all about God loving man enough to come to dwell with us and to make a, a way for us to be freed from our sin and come into a relationship with the God who created us for himself. So Lord, speak to us through your word this evening, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a very familiar Christmas passage most of us, if not all of us, are familiar with this text and was one of those passages that we love to read during this season. And so let me just kind of walk through the text real quickly tonight, then I want to share with you a few points. Um, that's my child, by the way. <clears throat> so if you're ever wondering, I wonder what the pastor's thinking about my child when they're crying. My child's probably crying first, so it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but on the night of Christ's birth, we see here that they're in... The, the, the fields outside of Bethlehem, an angel came and visited some shepherds. 
The shepherds were outside, they were tending their flock, they were watching their flock as they would normally do. And, and a lot of times we may think of these shepherds and, and maybe perhaps overly think of them and romanticize them and, and, and elevate them to a level that perhaps they shouldn't be elevated to. Uh, in the, uh, the culture of the Jewish uh, climate there outside of Jerusalem and in Israel, shepherds were on the low part of the totem pole. They were not the uh, upper echelon of the socialites. They were dishonest and unclean according to the standards of the law. And so the shepherds that this angel comes and visits and comes and proclaims the gospel to, they represent the outcasts and the sinners for whom Jesus came to save. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5 that he didn't come to call the righteous, he came to call the sinners. And, and that's who the, the shepherds represent. They represent you and me in this story. We're the Gentiles. We're the ones that, that should not be in, grafted into the family of God. And, and so put ourselves in the place of the shepherds. See, it was to these reprobates that the angel declared that he had good news of great joy. And this great joy was not just for them. It wasn't just for those in, in Bethlehem. It was for all the people everywhere. And so what is the good news that he was to share? Well, the good news was the gospel. It was that there in Bethlehem, a Savior had been born. And then he tells them how they can find this Savior. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's going to be lying in a manger. This Christ, this Messiah, the Savior to be born, had come just as he was prophesied. And not only had this Messiah come, the Messiah was Yahweh. And so as the angel's proclaiming to these shepherds, he's taking them one step further each, each step of the way. He's saying there's a Savior coming, but he's not just any Savior. He, he's God in the flesh. He's God who's come to dwell with us. And you need to go see this Savior. The shepherds were surely overwhelmed by this uh, this declaration. They were overwhelmed by what they heard and what they had witnessed. I mean, think about what the shepherds have just experienced. They saw an angel. How many of us in here can declare that we have seen an angel in, in the Shekinah glory of Almighty God? They had heard not only, uh, they had not only seen an angel, but they actually had heard heavenly speech. They had experienced heavenly worship as the host of angels joined them in the sky and proclaiming the glory of God when they said glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he's pleased. It would have been easy for the shepherds at this point to pack everything up and, and, and stop short to kind of say, you know what, we've experienced something glorious here. We've experienced a, a piece of heaven here. This is wonderful. I don't know that we can ever top this. I mean, after all, they had heard heavenly preaching, they had heard heavenly singing, and many times we here today, we may go to a church service and hear wonderful music and hear wonderful preaching, and we may have a tendency to think that that is enough, but it wasn't enough for these shepherds. You see, they had heard the gospel that the angels proclaimed. They had heard the, the singing that the angels had proclaimed that, that pointed them to the gospel. But they wanted to hear and to see and to touch and to experience the object of the gospel. And so the, Luke tells us there in verse 15 that when the angels went away from them, the shepherds said to one another, we got to go see what we've just heard about. And he tells us that they in haste went to find this Savior. The shepherds teach us a very important truth about Jesus. They teach us that it is not enough to believe the story of the Savior. We must believe on the Savior. 
You see, the shepherds could have easily, like I just said, they could have easily just said, you know what, it's enough for us to, to hear all these things. It's enough for us to experience these things. But we don't, and so we don't need to go and actually see Jesus, but they wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to experience Jesus. They wanted to hear the full gospel. Look how they responded in verse 15. They, they said, we've got to go see. Verse 16, they go with haste. And then in verse 20, we learn here that when they return from seeing Jesus, what are they doing? They're glorifying and praising God and speaking of all they had seen and heard. They immediately responded in faith. And their belief on Jesus changed their lives. And so, like the shepherds in this passage and in this story, we too need to move beyond the story about the Savior and believe on the Savior. So let me share with you just a couple things here of what it means to believe on the Savior. First of all, it involves hearing the gospel. It involves hearing the gospel. In verse 10, we see that the angel says, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angels here declared the gospel to those shepherds. What is the gospel? The gospel is just a word that simply means good news. And what is the good news? The good news is what the angel said. In the city of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born, who is Christ the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 10 that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. See, no one can come into relationship with Jesus. No one can ever experience forgiveness of sins. No one can ever experience eternal life and all that God would have for us unless we first hear the gospel. See, the reason that we as Christians uh, for centuries have sent missionaries and, uh, overseas and into different areas, the reason we've planted churches, the reason we talk to our friends and neighbors about Jesus is because people cannot come into relationship with God unless they first hear the gospel. And so if we're going to ex experience and believe on the Savior, it begins as we hear the gospel. I wonder tonight, on this Christmas Eve, with all the hustle and bustle of this time of year, do we have ears that can hear today? Do we have ears that can hear the gospel this evening? Have you heard how much God loves you? Have you thought about how much God loves you lately? The Bible tells us that God loves you so much that he became sin. The one who knew no sin became sin for you so that you might become the righteousness of God. What do you mean, pastor? What does that look like? That means holy God, the Son, Jesus Christ, never sinned, never had a sinful thought, never committed a sinful action, never said a wrong word, never disobeyed his parents, never broke the law in any way, sinless and perfect, became sin. In other words, he took your sin upon himself so that you might experience his righteousness. We might call it the great exchange. He takes all of our sin and gives us all of his righteousness. That's what Jesus has done for you. That's how much Jesus loves you today. And so, if we're going to believe on the Savior, it involves hearing the gospel. Secondly, it involves believing the gospel. So we've got to have ears that can hear the gospel, but then we have to believe it. In verse 15, they say, uh, when the angels go away, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds didn't just hear the gospel, they believed the gospel. They listened to what the angel said, and they heeded what the angel said, and then they acted on what the angels said. And we know this because the first thing they did when the, when the worship ended was they ran to Bethlehem. They beat a trail back into Bethlehem. It's not enough to simply know the story. 
It's not enough to know the gospel. We must personally place our faith in Jesus and his atoning work on the cross. This morning, I I was sharing with our church that when I came to faith in Christ, I grew up a religious kid. I grew up a a Southern Baptist kid. I I could articulate the gospel. I was a leader in my student ministry. I believed the gospel. I had heard the gospel, but I'd never appropriated it into my life. There has to be a moment in our life where we put our faith and trust in Jesus, not just believe in the story, but believing on the Savior of the story. So we must believe on the Savior. The third thing it involves is confessing faith in Christ. Verse 17 says, When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. There's a, a little bit of debate among some scholars and some teachers, Bible teachers, of Exactly when did the follower or when did these shepherds become followers of Christ? Was it the moment that they believed the angels were, like in verse 15, or was it when they actually saw the Christ child there in the manger and articulated back to Mary and Joseph all that they had heard from the angel? When was the moment that they became followers of Christ? In other words, when did they become children of God? Was it when they believed the message or when they saw? Jesus. Now, I don't know that it's really that important. There's a lot of debate there. I tend to believe that, that they became followers uh, of Christ the moment they believed the gospel when it was proclaimed. And so we might be able to split hairs there a little bit. Knowing the exact moment is not that important. The real important thing is, is that they believed the gospel. They believed in Christ. And then they, it, it, that faith they expressed and believed in the gospel was put into action as they confessed Christ to others. See, in verse 17, as they're standing there before Mary and Joseph, they're articulating back to them what they'd experienced. That in, in and of itself is confessing faith in Christ. Verse 20 is the same thing. As they leave Bethlehem, overwhelmed and overjoyed with all that they had seen and heard from the angels to seeing the Christ child, all of that, what are they doing? They're glorifying and praising God and telling people all the things that they had just witnessed. They confess their faith in Christ. And so believing on the Savior involves these three things, hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, and then moving a step further, confessing our faith in Christ. When I was a freshman in college, I came into relationship with Jesus. I just told you I was a religious kid for, for many years, and for, for many of those years, I really doubted my salvation. And the reason I doubted my salvation is because I didn't have salvation. There's pretty cl- cut and dry, pretty clear and pretty easy. But I was just a religious kid, and I was trying to work my way into heaven. But I remember that uh, the moment I gave my life to Christ there in the spring of 97, and, and, and God radically changed my life, and, and just I immediately sensed his presence there. I immediately sensed the forgiveness that, that I had heard people talk about, but had never actually experienced myself. I experienced all of that, and I'm not, a, I'm not an overly mystical, touchy-feely type guy. I kind of live in the black and white and the objective side of, of life, but I remember experiencing the grace of God in my life in a very real and personal way. And then immediately the, the next thought that comes in my head is, I've got to share this with my church. I, I've got to make this public. And, and so then a second thought came, well, what are people going to say? What are, what are my friends going to say? I mean, I'm, some of my good friends that I was going to college with are in ministry today, and they were called to ministry then. And so I had to think through this. If I tell them that I wasn't a Christian, what are they going to think? 
Well, I immediately began to realize that it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. The only one, th- one that matters is Jesus. What does Jesus think? And so I told my friends the next morning, hey, man, I gave my life to Christ yesterday at work. And I told them the whole story, the testimony of what God had been doing in my life. And that following Sunday, so this would have been a Thursday and then a Friday and then Sunday morning, I stood up before my church. And I, I grew up in a very large church. And so for in front of about 3,000 people, I stood up and, and said, you know, Thursday I gave my life to Jesus and articulated my testimony in about 30 seconds and confessed my faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he had changed my life. I believed on the Savior. I wonder tonight in this Christmas season, have you heard the gospel? Have you believed the gospel? Have you confessed your faith in Christ? I love what the scripture teaches and it teaches us that each of us have been made by God and we've been made for God. He designed you for a relationship with himself. And that's a wonderful design. The Bible teaches us that if we can live within his design for our life, then we will experience all the blessings, all the promises, all the wonderful things that he desires for us. All of those will come true. The problem with all of that is that each one of us are flawed. Each one of us are born into this world with a sinful nature, with a rebellious bent to ourselves. Rebellion against God is what we are born into this world with. And that sin that we are born with, that sin that we act on, has created a separation between us and God. And it creates and causes nothing but brokenness in our life. All of us are broken people. All of us are broken vessels and and just needing to be put back together. We know what brokenness is, right? Brokenness is a lot of times like immorality. A lot of times it's divorce in our family. A lot of times it's uh, some sort of abuse, substance abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse. We, we know what, abu- what, what brokenness feels like. Part of our brokenness is death that comes to all of us. We know the brokenness that's a part of our lives. And because we know the brokenness that's in our life, many times we're seeking to get out of that brokenness. And so we may turn to, to money and think if we can work harder and get a better job, we can work ourselves out of this situation. Or we may turn to substance abuse or we'll turn to some sort of new relationship, whether it's I'm not happy with the spouse I have, so maybe some other gal or, or guy is going to make me happy. We'll try to fix our situation, but we always know or at least we'll come to the realization at some point that we can't fix our brokenness. And this is the good news of the Bible because in the midst of our brokenness, God has a plan and God steps in. And the Bible talks to us about this good news and this is a simple word. It's the word I've been using quite a bit so far. It's the gospel. And the gospel is that God loved you so much that he sent his son to take your sin, to die in your place so that you could experience and have his forgiveness and righteousness. So Jesus came, born into this world, that's what we celebrate at Christmas, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and was resurrected from the dead. That's what we celebrate at Easter. That's the good news. And we can have the forgiveness that God offers to us if we will simply repent of our sin, turn from our sin, and turn to Jesus, and believe on the gospel. Repent of sin, and believe on the gospel message. And if we will do that, if we will call to Jesus and ask him to forgive us and ask him to become the Lord and Savior of our life, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that happened to me at the age of 18. It's happened to countless other people. It's even happened to folks in our church or in our church family in recent weeks and months. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we can be turned from our brokenness through the gospel of Jesus Christ and put back onto the path to experience and to pursue all that God has designed us for from the very beginning.
I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. Many of you I don't even know. And that's a good thing. I I love to see new faces in here. It's always exciting for that. And so wherever you're at spiritually, I want to encourage you to to turn to Jesus. I want to encourage you to look into Jesus and find everything that you're longing for in him. But tonight, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, I want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I'm going to ask that you pray along with me. If that's you, if you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus, this time is for you. Would you pray with me? Maybe you want to just pray out loud. Maybe just whisper it there at your seat. But if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, the prayer that I'm going to pray and the prayer I'm going to ask you to pray along with me is not magical. It's not uh, special words. It's just if it's the attitude of your heart, you pray along with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming into this world. Thank you for dying on a cross. Thank you for carrying my sin and burying my sin. I thank you for being raised from the dead. Tonight, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I acknowledge that my sin has separated me from you. And I also acknowledge tonight that you're my only hope. And so, the best way I know how Tonight, I am putting my faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior. And I am believing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That you love me, that you died for me, and that you rose from the dead for me. So Lord, help me to never be ashamed of you, but to live my life for you every single day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this evening, I want to encourage you, in your bulletin, there's a little communication card. And I want to encourage you to take a minute or two, pull that thing out, and there's a box on there that you can indicate that I prayed to receive Christ tonight. And if you would just simply leave that in your seat, we'll pick that up afterwards, and I'd love to have an opportunity to follow up with you, all right? Christmas is all about Jesus. Christmas is all about Jesus being the light of the world. So would you stand with me tonight? We're going to sing a few Christmas carols, and we're going to light our candles. So, men, if you are helping me with the candles, would you just go ahead and make your way up here?